Welcome back to the Oklahoma Municipal League podcast. I'm Mike Fina, Executive Director of OML. We're only a month into 2021, and I think all of us had hoped that it was going to be better than 2020. There has been some excitement and major changes at the national level, but it really hasn't started to feel much different. We're still deep into the pandemic, and our vaccine rollout has been, well, less than stellar. I don't want to seem like I'm a downer on 2021 when we're only a month into the new year, so I'm going to be optimistic that things can only get better from here. Whenever you end one year, it's always appropriate to look back in retrospect and think about what went right and what went wrong. And when thinking about municipal government, I can say that there was a lot that actually went right in 2020 for municipal government. Last February, we were struggling to figure out how to have virtual meetings, how to get information to our constituents, and just how to manage and govern in the most trying of times. Our councils across the state got very good at governing under these unprecedented circumstances. Most of us mastered the art of Zooming, something that most city councilors and mayors never thought they would have to do when they got elected to office. I'm not sure if Zooming is in the Urban Dictionary, but it certainly will be thanks to 2020. My personal impression is that we learned how to communicate better at the municipal level because we had to. Our citizens needed information and they weren't always getting it from the state. So they turned to the government closest to the people. Our mayors and city councilors met the challenge and kept the state operating. I don't want to be overly critical on the state because they did a lot of good things throughout the pandemic. But they leaned on municipal government to be on the front lines, not only for public safety, but as the face of the response for the people of Oklahoma. People that didn't always appreciate the tough decisions that we had to make. On this podcast, we've been very specific in our issues and our guests. But today we're going to have a great conversation with one of the people who is on the front lines. Our guest is Councilman Josh Moore from the city of Edmond. Josh and I have been friends for almost two years now, and I've been very impressed with his efforts to improve his city, which is a tough task in Edmond because Edmond's already a great community and one of our most advanced municipalities. But when you live in a community like Edmond, your constituents are very demanding and you have to be on the top of your game, and I believe Josh is. So I thought it would be an interesting conversation to just talk about what the last year was like from the perspective of a councilman. Well, Josh, welcome to the podcast. Wow, thank you so much, Mike. My goodness, you just uh, hit the nail on the head in so many ways right then. I just enjoyed, I almost want you to read that again because I <laughs> enjoyed, you were just so true in, in what you were saying. But no, before we get into anything else, Mike, I, I want to thank you on behalf of Edmund. Thank you and your leadership at OML, seriously, for what you do for every community and municipality in the state. What a challenge to to organize so many different sizes of communities and and personalities and goals and and situations. And so uh, seriously, from Edmund and from us, thank you for what you do for us every day. I appreciate that. We uh, listen. I love municipal government. I, you know, as a former mayor, I've worked in most other than the judicial branch, I've worked in every branch of government, and I can safely say that municipal government is the best work. And so it's really a labor of love, but uh, we aren't without our problems. I mean, it's a, it's a struggle every day for municipalities. You know, well, but that's what's made it so interesting about this last year and during the pandemic is usually um, my guess is, I mean, I'm kind of new at this. This is my first term as a as a council member and really as an elected official at the local level. And when you're going into it, you're thinking, <laughs> you know, our 
our conversation are, are around parks and libraries and 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 economic development within our city limits and community health and pandemics. I mean, I can guarantee you that that did not come up in our campaign and at our forums when we were when we were on the campaign trail uh, two years ago. So that's what's made this last year so um, unique is that I think this is probably this is the case for every local government that we have about every day we have dealt with things on the local level and state level and national level that frankly none of us expected um, to be to be a local official and and so you know we've had to we've had to adapt and and learn <laughs> with a fire hose in front of our face we've had to learn a lot of things about how how things work on the state level and national level as well yeah it's interesting you were you're talking about not knowing i i have this when i was mayor I have this this story I love to tell that I had this guy that that would sit in the back of the meetings and I he was just the the definition of a curmudgeon um, and I won't I won't say his name because he's actually a very good friend of mine now but he used to just razz me at every meeting and finally I was fed up with it after a meeting and I walked to the back of the room after we adjourned and I said hey so and so I said have you ever been appointed to a city board or ever got involved more than just giving me grief and he said no no one's ever asked like well guess what you're on a board <laughs> that, you're fired <laughs> uh, that guy ended up not only serving he started on our parks board ended up our planning board and then he ran for council and we served together for three years and turned out to be one of the greatest councilmen I served with but the best time, the best thing about him was that I took him to the Capitol. It was actually an OML advocacy day. And we were walking the halls and he stopped me in the middle of the hall and he said, listen, Mayor, he said, I had no idea how, what this job entailed till I got it. And I just want to apologize for all the grief that I ever gave him. I was like, that's the greatest apology ever. So you never yeah. know. But you know, it, it's even different. And this last year and having to govern, it's been such a different deal. So talk about, I kind of mentioned in the beginning about February was different than what it was sure. by the time we got to August. Uh, sure. What kind of, what kind of uh, evolution did you see on the Edmund council during that time? Oh my goodness. You know, I think the first, the first thing I want to tell people and, and especially our citizens is when, uh, you know, put yourself in the shoes of a, of an elected official at the local level. And there's this kind of inherent responsibility that kind of falls on your shoulders when you become elected that you kind of feel like, and we, we breed this in Edmond that our, our general election is a citywide vote for every, for every position. And that comes from kind of a philosophy of every, all five of our council members represent represent the 95,000 people in our community. And so there's there's kind of this inherent responsibility that you feel for everybody. So when I say that to say that when a health crisis like the pandemic hits, there's there's there were two or three specific things that hit right away. Number one, what is our what's going to happen to our local economy? and our, our jobs and our employees at the city and our city functions of being able to keep water and sewer and electric on and, and just being able to, to run the city like we're supposed to. The next thing was just community health and everybody's safety. 
Um, and we talked about that a lot of, you know, of course, I might agree with somebody that, um, you know, we're all responsible and can take care of our families and make certain choices um, to be safe um, and forever. But when you're in when you're in a leadership position, uh, like a council member, it's easy to also feel like, hey, all 95,000 people in this community are, are like my family and, and I want to care for them and I want to look out for them. So when when COVID first hit, I think we were all I think the entire nation was trying to figure out what was going on for a second. So we from a leadership position, we were trying to position ourselves right away to, um, OK, starting to look at our budget. Um, what are what are sales tax revenues going to be like coming in? What if what if our restaurants do need to be you know closed down for a, a, a number of time? What if what if all employees are at home um, on lockdown and do so? We were kind of in you know quick planning mode of what can we do to stay safe, um, and at the same time, <laughs> what can we do? Uh, to, to figure out ways that our economy doesn't crash at the same time, too. So that I mean, as far as February, um, you know, from from our municipal golf course to whether it stays open or not to uh, to do we have enough bike trails for people to get out on and get outside and get some exercise to can we give raises, you know, cost of living raises to our employees? This year, we were just really starting to think about all of those things. And it was it was different from day one when that started. You, you mentioned something that I think is critical for municipal government, and that that's the impact on small businesses. And we've we're still we're still seeing that impact, especially in the restaurant area. And Edmond is known for its restaurants. Uh, and, <laughs> we can and, eat. Yeah. <laughs> we can eat. We can eat out. <laughs> my favorite restaurants are in Edmond. So, uh, and I'm lucky. I live right on the edge there, so I could, I, you know, can, can get to go there easily. And I actually, I have a couple of mayors that uh, Fish City over there. Uh, yeah. Mayor yeah. that they every time they're in Oklahoma City, they always <laughs> go there to eat. But so uh, small businesses where you're a small business owner, um, yeah. well, give, give me your impression of, of, you know, what was your relationship like with the small businesses from a council sure. perspective and, and how, how do you view what happened to them over the pandemic? You know, yeah, that's where it really crossed the line of I remember the first council meeting when we were we were trying to make some decisions uh, ordinance wise and emergency declaration wise on. And other states had already, you know, had already gone far past we were, but we were, we were, we knew at that time that, that Governor Stitt was kind of putting it on the local shoulders to make some decisions for their own communities. And I remember that first council meeting where um, we're sitting there talking and going, none of us up here want to hurt anybody's own economy, their their own economy and their family are wanting to to lay anybody off um, or, or to, to close their doors. So that was that was at that time um, from a leadership level and on city council, that was the hardest decision I had had to make up to that point was to say um, you're, you're literally telling a business owner um, kind of what to do with their business because I am a business owner and we have we have three or four others um, on our council that 
that run their own businesses as well. Um, but it, it, obviously it crossed over into that emergency community health atmosphere. And, and you do, you start talking about how can we care? Um, how can we care for the community, for the citizens of our community the best we can and make the best decisions we can? So to, to answer your question, um, we started talking about ways. How can we encourage our restaurant owners to to get better at takeout and to to get our, our food trucks getting out into neighborhoods and 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 being open and, and deliveries getting smarter and more innovative. And so um, I, we were very quickly we were extremely proud of of a lot of our businesses and restaurants in Edmond that just got creative um, and figured out some solutions to do well. And it took from, at least from our sales tax revenues, it showed that it took about, it took about three weeks, three or four weeks for, for people to get innovative and start figuring things out. And then uh, after that, it showed that you started hearing words like, man, these restaurants are doing really well. You know, people are, and there was community support saying, hey, we know that this is a challenging time for some of these businesses. And, um, and if you are out there and have a job that maybe you're not affected as much and you've got some disposable income and you're not going on vacation uh, or, you know, or spending money in other ways like you usually would, hey, why don't you maybe put some of this money into the local economy and support some of our local business owners. And that improve from our, our sales tax collections showed that uh, at least in Edmond, that uh, our community stepped up and just supported each other in that way. Yeah. I, there was one thing that I, I knew Edmond was, was on the ball um, from, from one thing that I served on that the Oklahoma County asked me to sit on their disbursement board for their yeah. grants. Now they mm -hmm. only did yeah. it, they did it for non-Oklahoma City, Oklahoma County businesses. But right. when we were looking through the applications, there was a disproportionate amount from Edmond, which told me that you guys were communicating very well with your small business because there were, I mean, we put out, if I remember correctly, about $13 million and a significant portion of that went to Evan just because they were prepared and they applied yeah. and uh, yeah. very deserving. And I was happy to see that there were a lot of those restaurant style businesses and, and uh, entertainment type, they they were on the ball and, and got some money. So hopefully you didn't lose too many of those great restaurants. No, I think that, and of course it's, you know, it was tragic if we did. I know that it wasn't immune to to everybody. Um, and especially our, you know, I, I I think we had some food industry and restaurants that, that still that hung in there and they just had to change and adapt um, and are still open today. The, the big one was, uh, the biggest was kind of our, Oh, our events and, and our events and conferences and recreation type things. And that's what really is, you know, shown across the state and nation is like our hotels and yeah. things. That, I mean, we just couldn't have, we just can't get big groups together and have events. And there's a lot of business that's around that. And I thought Edmund was so forward thinking in building that uh, event center that you, uh, the, and, and it was a, actually when you, just in full transparency, when the, when I first saw where Edmund was building, I was thinking, is that the best place? Because it felt like it was a little bit remote out there. But now that it's mm -hmm. built, everything's mm -hmm. building towards it. And yeah. it was such a smart move on your guys' part. 
and what a fantastic facility. I, I mean, I've sure. been, I've been in the last since it opened. I bet I've been to twenty events there. Um, yeah, so, it, it, it has. I mean, <laughs> what's odd is that yeah, the conference center has you know still done okay with kind of some small groups and big enough rooms to be able to social distance. The hotel part of it has you know obviously just had an, an awful year, and we and we know that, and we're looking forward to that that improving and being better. But that whole kind of corner, not many people know that I-35 in Covell is the center of our city limits. So someday that it might look really early right now, but someday um, that's going to be, you know, the center of our city limits. And so the between the conference center and the hotel and showbiz cinema that's out there and so, and it's the pandemic has put a hold on some, um, some other projects that, that we want to come there, like a sports complex for athletic tournaments and things like that. Um, it's it's delayed some things, but you know, it to go back to your point of you know how do you how do you facilitate? We felt that as a as a council and as as a local government and our city management, how can we step in and partner up with our economic development department and our chamber of commerce and put some good heads in the room at one time and say, okay, where can we help our local economy? And we did, you probably know, Mike, along with that, the Oklahoma County funds, which was a little over $7 million of that went to Edmond businesses. And we're very thankful for that. Um, we also had two other rounds before that of what we called a micro grant program and that was between uh, Chamber of Commerce funds and also City of Edmond CARES Act funds that we designated for micro grants to uh, they local businesses had to apply um, and it was where the need was really at in that service industry and 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 food and restaurants and events and so or we got really good positive feedback and, and also our gyms, you know, our athletic gyms. And I mean, the kind of the list kind of keeps going. We all know who it affected the most, but that was part of, that was part of our leadership um, thinking was where can we jump in? And, and even though we can't stop this pandemic right now, we can, maybe we can think of some creative solutions to, uh, to at least help. As, yeah, I was aware of your guys' grant program. That was uh, it, it was forward thing, and it was fortunate some of our larger cities had enough CARES Act funding where they could provide those. And I know mm -hmm. that made a huge impact in your in your business community. So, all right, I'm going sure to transition to a little in in a little different topic here because it's it's yeah. it's going to get really hot at the Capitol next week on this particular topic. A couple of. Okay. Them. It was session starting, just so our listeners know that Monday session starts and this whole thing gets going for a lot of municipalities because there's always, we always have some good legislation, but there's always a lot of preemption. But one of the bills we have been working on for the probably the last, well, since November, I can tell you exactly, was the, the, open, <laughs> the virtual meetings act. When it, had, when it expired in November, we had to go back to our normal meeting procedures, but what we have a commitment from the House and the Senate that they're going to fast track a virtual meeting bill next week. So we'll be able to continue to have the virtual meetings like we've been, like we were used to during the pandemic. I say that like it's past. 
continue through the pandemic. Right, so uh, right. let's talk about about uh, governing through virtual meetings and, and how you guys approach that in Edmond. Oh, you know, there's 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 so many facets to that. There's the state law of the Open Meetings Act that has really up until the pandemic. I don't know if that's ever really been a, a big issue before. Um, and, and, it, and it's a very good law uh, for for so many reasons that, um, you know, you have a central place for your your open meetings to happen and for things to be able to come and participate and things to be transparent um, and just frankly just the, the the personal ways of communicating in a meeting for everybody to be together at one time um, to be able to do that there's just so many advantages to that now when the pandemic started you have other things that come into play like um, I, I mean literally volunteers from from the citizens of Edmond that serve on some of our committees like planning commission and and development impact review committee. I mean, we have we have at least 25 citizen based committees at Edmond that are constantly pushing projects and working on something in our city that they fall under. And these are citizens of Edmond that are volunteering that fall under the Open Meetings Act. And so it was uh, the reality was that when you've got some vulnerable citizens that serve on your committees um, that just can't be uh, out in public at times and, and especially around a large group of people um, that we just the, the issue is just getting a quorum for a meeting and, and meeting the um, Open Meetings Act in that way uh, and following those rules. And so when we could meet virtually, um, things start rolling and you're getting to do business, even though it's like this, where it's virtual, um, you know, we're, we're able to vote on things and get a quorum and get things moved along and business kind of continues at the local level. Now, when we can't get a quorum, um, things stop. And, and that's, you know, we know in, in our own businesses, we know how important momentum is when you're working on big projects and things that are very expensive and, and have to do with providing jobs and, and providing incomes for a lot of families. When at the city level, for instance, our planning commission, when you have uh, 16 or 17 real estate projects, uh, that are held up just because they're not able to be voted on at the planning commission level. That starts um, that starts the domino of eventually it might be two or three or four months down the road, uh, but eventually it's going to start affecting uh, jobs and your local economy. So when we knew that when uh, Senate Bill 661 expired on what was it November 15th when it expired. Yeah, we knew that, you know, the numbers, uh, our numbers were uh, were kind of were starting to climb then, you know, talking about a Thanksgiving surge and then kind of expecting that we would have a Christmas surge after that, because up to that point, every holiday, our numbers had had, had spiked and surged. And so um, we we're obviously concerned about community health and our committee members. And so we've had. 
we've had issues since then of frankly that just affect our local economy and local decisions that we so we were we were hoping something would happen on November 16th to to extend that and and now we're here hoping yeah now we're here hoping that we're planning in fact at our last city council meeting we were voting on a couple of ordinances to in case it doesn't happen um, early in session, uh, I'm, I think we're hoping that it, you know, kind of this government or Senator Treat's new bill kind of gets gets heard and voted on in the first week of session, and we can start having some meetings, uh, virtual meetings that way. But um, we, ever since November six, to answer your question, ever since November sixteenth, we've been um, we've we've been looking to be able to have virtual meetings. Yeah, and it's been an interesting, and I, and you and I have actually had these conversations, but the but the listeners don't know this. Um, this is such a critical issue, and we have really been working hard. All of our cities have trying to convince the legislature, and we thought we had a deal uh, on organizational day that they were going to hear it and get it in January, and some things just didn't work out for that, and so they've agreed to fast track it. Um, I'm to the point, and listen, I trust Senator Treat, I trust Speaker McCall. Yes, um, I believe they're gonna they're gonna, they're men of their word. Uh, it's it's just a little hard to call it a certainty because we've been promised this November. Oh, guys, just get through December. We'll take care of it in January. Well, just get through January. We'll take care of it first week of session. And you know th- those two men are great, but there's also these other 146 of <laughs> them between the two chambers that were you know I don't know how they're going to react so we we I feel like we do have some lobbying next week to make sure that does fast track and we probably have that we commitment to the speaker and the and the pro tem that we need to be there to to support that which sure. uh, I know you will be and OML will be and uh, I, I do and we've we've definitely communicated with our representatives from Edmond that and I think that for anybody else out there listening that in their own communities, I think the important thing is to communicate with your state representatives that uh, these are meetings that that do affect um, our, your local economy. Um, there, there's decisions that um, that are projects, and, and I hope you know. In Edmond, we're fortunate that we do have a lot of projects going, and 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 we're thankful for that, and things that need to keep churning. Um, but the important thing is to share with your your state representatives that it does affect your local economy eventually. You hit on something. I'm, I'm going to circle back around, and then we're going to. Uh, I've, I've got one more topic I want to talk about. Okay. Okay. You circle. Uh, there's something that you talked about that I think is that people need to know that th- this is what I'm hearing statewide. It's the the council members and the mayors. What I hear them say is, "Hey, I was elected, and if if I have to meet in person." I'm going to do it because I was elected to do that. But my lady or, or gentleman on the planning board, they were appointed and it's not fair to force them to do that. And I think where we've seen the drop off is not as much at the council level, but it's all of those subcommittees that you were talking about. I think that's been sure. the biggest impact. No, you're exactly right. Myself as a council member, I whether it's virtual or in person, I do. I feel like when I signed up for uh, an elected position and ran for office. I do. I, I even though it's <laughs> Mike, you know, we don't get paid a whole lot of money to, to be no. doing it. And and I and yeah, the, the thought crosses your mind. My goodness, if I get, you know, if I need to quarantine um, or if I'm COVID positive, I 
uh, I go home for a couple of weeks and 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 hopefully I'm I'm okay health wise and make it through it. But um, it will affect the way I run my business and it will affect my own economy. But I but I signed up for that. I ran for office and do, signed do up for that. It, mm -hmm. do, do you feel like um, that the virtual meetings actually w w made government or municipal government more open to the people? I do. And, and here's why. Because when you in a pandemic and in a case like this, and frankly, I think the conversation could be had that even even outside of a pandemic, is this a better not to do not to be virtual 100 percent? I don't. I think there is a priceless um, advantage to 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 a group being in person. You can see each other's, you know. You might have technology issues or sound challenges and camera challenges that just don't that just aren't best for communicating in a group. I totally get that. Um, and you can see each other's facial expressions better and read the room. So there's there's things about that. But what you're doing, um, if you allow a virtual option, uh, even during the pandemic or even outside of the pandemic, what you're doing is you're allowing uh, not just people to watch at home, like in Edmond, our city council meetings are live uh, and they're on TV and they're online and people can watch, but they can't participate. And what if um, even outside of the pandemic, what if you had a, a meeting in person, but you also had a Zoom option to where our citizens that, um, whether it's for health reasons, or they're traveling um, or needing to take care of a responsibility that they can't get to the meeting in person, they'd still have the option to participate yeah. uh, in the meeting. Absolutely. I think that would be fantastic. We're, so there's two parts to the virtual meeting. One, the fast track bill to try and get this back now, and then a commitment that we're going to visit a permanent bill where we can make some updates to the open meetings law. I uh, I call it m more modernizing. Um, sure. I think that's what we need to do. And and, be, sure. and and take we've been having these conversations, uh, us, the school board association, and probably more importantly, the press association. Uh, we even have Mark Thomas from the press association on the podcast and talked about this very topic. But taking in all these considerations and needs and saying, all right, this this law is, for, you know, it, from the 80s and it's been updated yeah. throughout the years, but maybe it's time to do a little modernization based on technology. And I, I think that's a fair discussion, whether the legislature decides to do anything or not, but we can point to some really good things that happened during the pandemic through virtual meetings. Absolutely, uh, yeah. I, I think we all would agree that a meeting is best and especially a public meeting is best when you have the, you have the greatest chance of the most most people being able to participate in that. Um, of course, of course, the meetings are organized and there's only so many people can talk at one time. But as far as I know, in every one of our meetings, we've got we've got a section that, that's open for public comment or for new business. Um, and man, how fantastic would it be to take advantage of technology, modern technology, and open up an avenue for all of our citizens to be able to participate uh, if they can't get to town hall themselves. All right, so we are we're, we're 
we're running up on the end of our podcast, but there is one more issue that I believe is very critical that we need to need to talk about before we get off here today. Uh, so we're, we're going to talk about elections for a little bit. Uh, the something else that expired with the open meetings was also the the election rules that they put in place, where instead of having to get a ballot notarized, uh, you this would be on absentee ballots. Instead of getting it notarized, you could just provide a picture of your ID and place it in your ballot. Well, that went away too after November. But what I don't think the legislature understands is that that was their elections in November, but but municipal elections, we work on a two-year basis as well. And this is our big election year. So from right now in January until May, we're gonna have more than 400 municipal elections and we're not through the pandemic and these these rules have changed. So now we're going to be stuck with in-person voting for the most part and putting our people in jeopardy. So this both this issue is kind of a soapbox issue for you and I both because we've had this conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk about elections and your thoughts on that. You know, I, I put this in my email. I think it's unfortunate that, you know, somebody that is vulnerable right now during the pandemic, uh, for whatever reason that is, I think it's unfortunate that they have to choose between uh, finding a notary, you know, going out in public. And, and, and of course, the rules are if you get something notarized, you need to be there in person with each other, with a notary. And usually that means going to a bank or to a to a corporate complex and and going to the notary. And I just right now during the pandemic, I do. I think it's even for our for our local elections specifically. I think it's unfortunate that somebody would have to choose um, between um, staying as safe as they can if they need to uh, or or just not voting. Um, so I, I was, I was disappointed because I felt like it worked for Oklahoma. I know there are uh, questions and challenges that even I don't agree with around the country in some ways that mail-in ballots have worked. For Oklahoma specifically, I kind of got the feeling that it was successful um, for the national election. And I, I didn't hear a lot of controversy around that. And so I, Personally, I don't think it's too much to ask to during the pandemic and especially this year and right now as we're having local elections to have continued that and just give as many citizens uh, in our community the chance to vote uh, that they can. Yeah. You know, the only argument you can really have against this is fraud. And right. I, I listened to our congressional delegation stand up in Washington and say, Oklahoma had great elections, uh, mm -hmm. no fraud here. So if that's Me the too. case, if that's the case, then I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be able to do it through our election cycle, just like the state did through their election cycle. And and you're right. If If we pull this off in this presidential year without anybody complaining about Oklahoma's ballots, then we should be able to just extend it through through May, I would think. I agree that I, I don't I don't keep especially our state numbers um, as far as turnout. I, I don't know how that is. But, you know, Mike, um, on the local level, it's a challenge to get to get a, a, a large amount of people to vote. It is in Edmond. We run anywhere around nine and 10 percent. Of our of our voting population, our registered voters, and that's not. 
I, I would love for usually it's because something's really controversial <laughs> if you have a, a large number. But I think everybody that truly wants their community to to do well and to operate correctly, you do want a good turnout for yeah. for voting. And so it's a it's a challenge to begin with to try to get your your voters out there. So, yeah. It, and we're, we're, we need to wrap up here in a minute, but I want to I want to stay on this for just another minute. Uh, you know, it's interesting because Edmund uh, Edmund is actually advanced citizenry. You guys are your people are involved, and when there's a controversy, man, it <laughs> makes the news and everything else. Uh, especially with somebody joked with me one time that said, Josh, if if uh, if 50, 50 or sixty percent of your registered voters show up, it means that everybody's going to get replaced. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <Just Absolutely. laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, but at the same time, nine or 10 percent is yeah, I, it either means they're, you know, they're they're OK with what's going on, which is a good option to have to, you know, that, that yeah. they, they they feel like it's in good hands or it's complacency uh, as well. So but uh, especially during a pandemic to, to finish that um, during a pandemic, I think we can find, I, I thought in November, it was a great solution and a great idea to, um, to, to allow as many people to vote as we can in Oklahoma. So uh, for everybody um, out there listening, we are making an official request to the House and Senate that they bring up uh, something to extend those election rules that they, they put that in some legislation here early in session uh, because we do have a lot of municipal elections coming up. So we're, we're going to make that request. And then I, I know the OML membership is going to be very active in trying to make that happen. So, well, Josh, this was such an interesting conversation today. Uh, we could, I really feel like if we wanted to, we could just make this podcast go on all day. We could. So we could. That. So I appreciate, yeah, Mike, again, I appreciate what you guys do and I, I appreciate you uh, and your and your personality and, and reaching out to all of us in our community. So, yeah, thank you again for having me. I enjoyed it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad you were here today. So today our guest uh, was Josh Moore, city councilman from the city of Edmond. We'll have new and interesting guests in the coming weeks with sessions starting. You're probably going to hear less about COVID and a lot more about what's happening at the Capitol. So stay tuned with the OML podcast uh, for future episodes. Thanks for listening today.